As Commissioner Manfred says, we are and we're not having a podcast today. Hello and welcome to Double AI, the uh, podcast on the business of sports and analytics and gaming. Boy, do we have what a what a show, what a week. I'm going to introduce first our data scientist from San Diego. Hello, Andrew. Hello. And our AI industry evangelist, we're following branding protocols today, from Chicago and also a Moneyball pioneer. Hello, Ari. Hi, Phil. Hi, Andrew. Hi, audience. <laughs> That's the first time we've said hi to the audience since we've been doing this for a couple of months. Oh, well, guys, uh, let's just start with, we could just about talk, uh, we could choose four or five different things about racial unrest, uh, COVID impact, the gaming industry, but guys, we're gonna start with baseball because even today, uh, there's good and bad, and that describes just about every day and every week since the pause of baseball. So Ari, you lead us off and bring us up to date on where things stand right now with Major League Baseball. Sure, so yesterday was one of the most pivotal uh, days in MLB, like in the last uh, you know, decade, arguably a couple of decades, where you know amidst the covid health crisis economics and and many other factors uh, the players association mlb you know slash the owners been going back and forth to try to come to an agreement um you know there are a couple points around there um if players can file a grievance or not is one of the key factors so in the end the players association turned down the final um uh, offer from MLB, and as a result, the commissioner stepped in and said that they would impose, you know, roughly a 60-game season. And I say roughly, since um, you know a couple of things need to be worked out. Um, you know, what are the uh, safety protocols? For example, each team has to report what they're doing, and if it, they agree to it, health and safety, and then um, if the the players and the associated staff can report to spring training within seven days. So, um, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll work that out reasonably. And then the plan would be uh, roughly, you know, a little bit over a week from now, have what people are calling spring training, but I think we need to call it summer training. Uh, by the way, I try to register summertraining.com.net. Somebody <laughs> already had taken it, but summer training and, um, with the start late July of the season, if um, all goes well, i.e., um, you know, COVID, uh, you know, the second spike or the increased first spike doesn't spook people off until then. Well, I mean, you're leading us right into the next thing. I mean, you know, we're supposed to have taxi squads. They're within 100 miles. The Mets and Yankees are the uh, have all announced they're going to train at home and there's a lot still. I mean, Andrew, and you, you factor in the virus, it's only getting worse, I think. Yeah, well, the numbers in, in most states are going up. And, um, you know, specifically within baseball, there's been, I think, at least 40 positive coronavirus tests, players, folks. And then I heard like in the last hour or so, you know, more being reported, not necessarily getting it from baseball, but um, you know, possibly going to a restaurant, getting it, going back to camp, spreading it around. Um, but, you know, the general population, 
uh, you know, many of the states, uh, you know, especially where there would be the spring summer training are seeing, you know, daily increases actually, like in Florida, the highest rates ever um, for the pandemic over the, since the start of it. So it seems to be on, on the uptick. Well, and even more, right, was it just late last week that Major League Baseball shut down all of the spring training sites because of these tests? So it, it's really interesting. We want to know if people can report in seven days. We don't know necessarily where they're even going to be able to report. We have a Canadian baseball club that we don't know where they can even play because right. can people even trans, um, uh, travel to Toronto? What percentage of Major League Baseball players are not U.S. citizens and had gone home in the offseason? And will they even be able to get back into the country in seven days? And if they should get back into the country, should we be um, asking them to quarantine themselves for two weeks like a lot of other countries are doing? There's a lot of questions. And, you know, that seven days to get there seems really rushed. Yeah. And, and the other question is, you know, will there be a season? Will there not be? Um, what might playoffs look like? Um, you know, what are the, the factors if it does get shut down? You know, how does that factor things? But all of this, you know, seems to also be leading up to the next collective bargaining agreement. Since that one point of um, being, you know, able to file a grievance is a big deal. Part of filing a grievance, they may have to show the ownership hand of releasing some of the finances. Um, so this is kind of like the first or second inning. Um, well, guys, if we weren't so jammed today, that would be, we could spend all day talking about how does this set up the big tamale, and that is the next CBA conversation. And so maybe we'll pick up on that in a week, or maybe in the week it'll be even more explosive than this week. <laughs> but, so, but that's a big idea. We're going to turn the page to another big idea because, uh, Andrew, in the gaming industry, there was some substantial news coming out of our state where we live, California. Yeah, before I talk about California, we should just acknowledge that, you know, stuff isn't going poorly everywhere, right? New Jersey, New York seem to be doing better. And in fact, New Jersey is reopening the Atlantic City casinos, or at least they're allowed to reopen on the 2nd of July, so just over a week from today. So um, we will have more gambling happening, more casinos open. Uh, it is very limited. I think it's 25% occupancy to start with. Um, there's clearly a pent up demand as we've all seen from the videos in Las Vegas. Um, and I know Las Vegas, there has been a movement among casino employees begging people to please wear masks in the casino because Las Vegas has seen some clusters of casino employees testing positive. Um, so good and bad there. I think the most shocking news was around sports betting. We've seen a huge growth in sports betting in the United States over the last year. And the big prize, California had a bill in front of um, the state house to legalize sports betting. And just yesterday, it failed. Um, it was looking to allow online and mobile sports betting. It was supported by all the big leagues. I still find this entertaining as having watching the leagues complain about betting just, what, 18 months ago. Um, but all supporting it, big deal. Um, 
but the tribal, uh, California tribal governments were strongly against it um, and largely strongly against it for economic reasons because they don't want to lose the money. This is a huge pot of money people were talking about. So it isn't that the tribal casinos are against sports betting, it's that the tribal casinos are against sports betting that doesn't happen in their casinos. Oh, Andrew, we got to read this. The California nations, I've got the quote here. The California nations Indian Gaming Association said that internet sports betting would have, quote, threatened brick and mortar establishments, their businesses, and would, quote, reward out-of-state commercial business entities, of course, and then finish it, raise regulatory challenges. In the state of California, this is the home of regulatory challenges. What are they talking about? But of yes. course, it, uh, that's, that's, the, that's, the, you know, that's what it's predicated upon. It, it's an amazing thing. I mean, it, it tells you how much money is in, in betting in general, not just sports betting. Well, and that's, uh, we got the quote, the, the one, one analyst said that California is the holy grail of sports betting markets and uh, could bring in more than 30 billion in annual wagers, 2 billion in revenue, uh, 300 million in state taxes. And again, we're the, we're the home of taxes and the home of squandering large amounts of taxes. So we can say that. Uh, Andrew and I live in the state of California. Ari is a former resident, so he, he can nod in agreement. <laughs> Southern Cal and Northern Cal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Andrew, on to the next thing. We'll talk about what's happening in Europe. You've always been, done a really good job of keeping us abreast on what's going on there, and that has set a standard. It's been a bellwether for the rest of us. Yeah, so th there's a sequence of things. We've always talked about the Bundesliga setting the standard, being the first sports league to come back. And I think we're going to see that there's more of these issues um, that not just the Bundesliga, but we're seeing that we'll talk about. But the Bundesliga is continuing. Um, the really interesting news out of Germany this last week was not on the pitch, but rather the new television deal. And the television deal is basically flat from the last television deal, which surprised almost everyone. I think we've all gotten used to rapid increases in these television deals over the last, say, decade, to a large extent driving a lot of the spending in sports. Um, but this particular uh, rights offering had fewer uh, bidders and no additional revenue for the Bundesliga, which is really surprising. And I'm really curious what this is going to mean to the US market. As we know, we've got a number of television deals coming up relatively soon in the US. Is this a, um, a COVID-related drop? Doesn't seem likely. I mean, these people should be making long-term decisions. I mean, Sky TV, one of the winning bidders, isn't going away in the next few years. Um, so it's really curious what this is going to hold for the rest of the sports and what this means to future revenues. Hmm. But then moving, staying within European football, but also touching on some of the uh, racial strife we've seen with Black Lives Matters, we saw the um, very sad, um, it's, I, I don't want to say unsurprising, but this is English football somewhat unsurprising racist pushback. We know European football has struggled with racism, but in the Burnley-Manchester City match in Manchester, 
we did see a plane towing the banner that said White Lives Matter Burnley. Um, again, a very tragic moment seeing this sort of racism coming out. It, it was, of course, um, immediately condemned by the Premier League, by Burnley, by everyone involved. I know Burnley would really like to know if it was one of their supporters. Football clubs have become much less tolerant of this sort of behavior and have been known to take tickets away from people who behave this way. Um, but it's really tragic. And I, as, as we'll see, and as you'll get to later, Phil, we've seen similar kinds of sad pushback in the United States sports as well. The, the other bellwether for sports, though, um, is tennis. So the US Open had announced about, what, two weeks ago, that it was pushing back its start date to the 31st of August. They've, removed, they've rejiggered the calendar. So the Cincinnati event would take place in New Jersey, um, geography not being one of the USTA's strong suits. Um, lots of changes, no qualifying tournament, no wheelchair tennis. Um, impacting the French Open start. But then we've had tennis. Um, in fact, there was tennis being played in front of spectators in Eastern Europe the last couple of weeks. Uh, Novak Djokovic had started a tour, a nonprofit tour, to get tennis back. He was following the Serbian and Croatian rules as they were laid out. Um, but unfortunately, those rules did not include social distancing. There was a very interesting video of many of the players partying at a nightclub before the most recent round started. And then one player announced that he had tested positive during the tournament, followed very rapidly by a second player, causing the tournament to be canceled partway through and leading to two additional players testing positive, including Novak Djokovic announced just earlier today and Novak's wife. Um, I think this raises some real questions about, you know, not just tennis and the US Open and whether it even makes sense to go on, but let's think about the NBA's plans to isolate everyone outside of Orlando. And they're not going to completely keep people locked in. There is going to be ways to get out. Um, you're going to have lots of people in close proximity. Um, there's still a lot of risk that all of these sports, even though we're talking, even though we spent time talking about Major League Baseball resuming, um, there's still a lot of risk that these players are going to get infected, end up on a plane with their teammate, and infect the entire team. And then we've, we've learned that what happens around the competition matters. Uh, the first PGA guy, uh, Nick Watney, uh, tested positive uh, for the virus with Hilton Head. And players uh, express concern of how little social distancing discipline and protocol discipline was taking place on the Hilton at Highland, uh, just off South Carolina. And uh, really, the PGA Tour just lasted just shy of two weeks before, I think it was 11 days before the, the first positive test. All right, well, guys, well, I get a handle racing. I'm a racing guy. Uh, grew up in Indianapolis, and I've been a, a, a racing broadcaster. Uh, and uh, NASCAR had one of its uh, least proud moments uh, this uh, past week. So Bubba Wallace is NASCAR's only black driver. There's only one black driver on Formula One. We'll talk about Lewis in a, in a moment here. Uh, Talladega is uh, 
uh, infamous for the, the, how large it is and how it's in the middle of Alabama and, and uh, how it, uh, the culture there clearly is out of a, a different time. So uh, after a band of rebel flags, somebody hung a noose in Wallace's garage on Sunday, race day, which the race was rained out on Sunday and then restarted on Monday. To the sports credit, uh, about a dozen drivers pushed Bubba Wallace's number 43, sponsored by Richard Petty, to the front of the starting grid on the restart on Monday. Wallace grew up in Alabama, or I'm sorry, he was born in Alabama in Mobile, but grew up in North Carolina in the Charlotte area. His best friend, Ryan Blaney, won the race in a photo finish. They now head to Pocono Racetrack in Pennsylvania, and then they have a bigger day coming up the 4th of July weekend on the 5th in Indianapolis, the old Brickyard 400. We'll come back to that in a minute. Now that leads us to Lewis Hamilton, uh, six time, he dominates Formula One, six-time champ. He uh, has been very disappointed in how the sport itself and his colleagues have responded to racial unrest here in the States. But uh, late to the party, Formula One did announce a new initiative called We Race as One. Uh, they're coming up July 3rd, their first restart race, the Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, Hamilton's 35 years old. He's a Brit. And he has been really clear on social media and very active on social media and criticizing the sport. I'll read one of his quotes. I saw people I respected choosing to say nothing and it broke my heart. It's why I had to speak out. Guys, he could be describing what's happening here in the States too. So he's creating a commission to increase racing diversity. So the the big three are Formula One, Global, NASCAR, has tried to expand beyond its base in the Southeast and the Sun Belt states. And then IndyCar has a mixture of that cosmopolitan international, most of the drivers are, and uh, a more North American mindset. But the truth is they've all had, uh, they've all come to the party slowly. It'll be interesting to see what happens as we now look for that 4th of July weekend, because guys, the in, uh, Indianapolis, in two weeks, 4th of July weekend, they have a, an IndyCar race, a road race inside of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the 4th. Then they have the NASCAR race the next day. And I believe all that's on NBC. That'll be really interesting. And Penske Motorsports now owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the IndyCar circuit. And they are buttoned down letter perfect in many, many ways. Their professionalism may well be the ideal timing and their influence may well be ideal for the sport itself to take what is clearly an opportunity to speak to the tone of the day and do something extra special with it. And uh, if NASCAR does not do that this weekend at Pocono, uh, I surely expect the Penske organization to do that uh, being center stage on both July 4th and 5th. And then of course with the Formula One having a race in, in Austria, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. So that's a big opportunity, a big embarrassment for the sport on both accounts, and they've been called out on both. And uh, I just have a great deal of respect for Bubba Wallace and how he's handled it. And I'm, I'm grateful that someone, some right-thinking driver, encouraged other drivers to get behind him and the uh, gesture they did before the start of the race yesterday. And guys, I've been in nearly every racetrack. In this. I've been to Talladega. Uh, nearly every NASCAR track in Georgia, Florida, 
Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina. Yeah, I've been to all of them. Uh, I, I can't think of one or two that I haven't been. So uh, over the past 40 years, so I'm clearly familiar with the culture. And I know there are right thinking people there and it's time for them to do the right thing. All righty, we'll still talk racing, but uh, they're off. And talking about a, a potential triple crown winner. Tis the law dominated the Belmont Stakes, guys, on uh, Saturday. And the, the triple crown's being reworked, right? Uh, we have Kentucky Derby in September and uh, the Preakness in October. And I think we have Saratoga before then and the Breeders' Cup after then. So, Andrew, if you're a, uh, a, if, if you're a better and you play the ponies, you want to go right for this and triple and usually the triple crown is Saturday, two weeks later, two weeks later, and in five weeks we get three races, but it's spread out this time. So Tis the Law might be that triple crown winner, and we may not know it because even his trainer says, we'll just see how he lasts. Right? That's a big challenge. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a lot of things going on, right? They shortened the race this last weekend, right? It was a little bit shorter than it normally was, where this used to be the race that tested the endurance. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. We should call out, right, it's the first New York trained horse to win in New York in what, some absurd number, nearly 100 years. Um, so great accomplishment there for the horse. But yeah, I, I mean, these are young horses, right? How much are they going to change over the next couple months? Um, and what happens as different individuals make decisions about whether they want to race in these, right? I mean, you could see horses peaking this fall that we're not even talking about right now. And again, so we go right from a New York race to Saratoga, Traverse Stakes, New York race, uh, different atmosphere there, the track there and the town, if you've been there, you know, that has small town atmosphere, but big money to say the least. And then you go from there back to Kentucky, then the Preakness, then you have the Breeders' Cup. A lot of money in a short amount of time going to change hands there. All right. Uh, Ari, I want to bring you back in here. Well done last week on the uh, Data Robot virtual conference. Well, well done. All the different guests. Uh, Freakonomic star Stephen Dubner. It was a lot of fun. Well, give us one thing from that uh, that was the most fun for you and hosting and being central in that two-day conference. Yeah, so uh, it was a fantastic opportunity. Me personally did the Stephen Dubner kind of conference closer, which was great 45-minute interview and Q&A, as well as a special session with Lifelong friends, Oral Hershiser, Fred Clare, um, on building a world championship and how they build it and how the audience can build their own championship team, you know, in, in any business. So great learnings, what's going on in the world of artificial intelligence, machine learning, you know, here right from um, business leaders, every industry, finance, insurance. But considering the audience of this podcast, there was also a fun sports theme, in addition to the Dodger greats, Alex Honnold, uh, free solo rock climber, uh, made an Oscar documentary, um, Michael Phelps, uh, you know, legendary Olympic uh, swimmer. Uh, but yeah, it, it was great all around. You know, the challenges people are, are finding. We talked this podcast about uh, safety and opening up and 
Uh, you know, what does that mean for sponsorships, for fan engagement? How, what does it mean for statistics if you want to predict performance and we've only played 60 games in baseball? You know, how, but outside of sports, how do you make forecasts when the economy just totally twisted and now it's twisting back with opening up and unemployment up, down, left, right? So how do you make predictions when the whole world is just being shaken and, and stirred? Um, it was really one of the big themes of the conference. And just how exciting artificial intelligence can find complexities in data that traditional business analytics can't. You know, humans behave differently, talked about gaming, talked about safety, people buy things differently when they're hungry. You know, so artificial intelligence teases out the complexities in data that is, is often hard to find. And that was all about in the AI conference. Still time to go in and, uh, you know, free registration, but you can download or, or watch any of the content for at least the next week. Right, Ari, good point. So all that's still available and you go to datarobot.com to get more. Or you can track down Ari. He's just about everywhere all the time on social media. <laughs> it doesn't matter what platform you can find him and uh, uh, find a link to that. Well, that'll wrap it up for this week. Whew. <laughs> Over the last 24, 48 hours preparing for this. Fellas, we are in a new world. We are in a new world. There are, whether it's racial unrest or all of the wide variety of uh, issues related to COVID-19, we are in a new world and we're right in the middle of it and more to come as we roll out different sports. We could have taken each one of the topics today, the way you let off uh, Ari, the way you uh, went deep into some things, Andrew, and we could have spent 25, 30 minutes on each of those. But we'll take a pause for right now. That's it for us today on Double AI, the podcast on the business of sports analytics. That's Andrew over there, the data scientist. And that's Ari, the industry evangelist down there. And I'm Phil. And we'll see you next week on Double AI.